0: If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the part real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's Ruined.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Ruined. I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. And in this podcast, we like to take our time to... Go through a, a different horror movie each week, and just give you all the the nitty gritty,
1: all the That's tips and tricks, all the all the spooks and scares, all the stuff that uh, if you don't want to watch a movie, this will this will do it. This is you'll have all the information you need and none of the nightmares. Even though I have had nightmares from <laughs> recording this podcast, so I can't promise that you won't have nightmares, but you will have less nightmares than if you watched some of these movies. If you're a scaredy cat. Which I really take as a feather in my cap. You know? No, I mean you are a thorough and horrifying sherpa for me and our audience of these movies. That gorgeous imagery you've just created—it just, I mean, pretty fitting for the
2: movie we're going to talk about, right? Because when we get to the top, we get to the top of the mountain. There's a yeti, and it mm-hmm. kills
1: you. Oh, I bet there is.
2: So the movie we are doing this week, because it's you know, we're It's kind of like the uh, you know, things are getting. It's getting chilly out. It's yeah. winter time. We, we did some fall
1: vibes with Children of the Corn. Absolutely, but we're here to get kind of <laughs> snowed in now. It's getting colder, and we thought, what better way than to celebrate the winter season
2: than to get all snuggly in an extremely remote cabin for the
1: lodge. <sighs> We just had Allison watch the trailer. Allison, what are your first thoughts about The Lodge? Okay. Also, I have not heard about this movie. Oh, great. I had not known anything going in. It sounds scary already. Just like any movie that just has like a word or like the blank. Is right. Said, it's like, we don't even need to tell you much. That's how scary this is going to be. That was one of the scariest trailers yes. I've ever seen. It like has all of the the makings of like a scary where it's like we've got you're snowed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, weird blended family situation where like tension is high, even mm-hmm. if this wasn't a scary movie. Cult stuff, falling through ice, like darkness, the power. Go- I mean, it's just all of the stuff where you're just like, oh, this is just terrifying from start to, like this doesn't seem like there's any fun in it. Right. Yeah, it's definitely not a horror comedy, I will say that much.
2: (laughs) So, we like to take a baseline scary of Allison's general fear about the topic of the movie. And there's a lot of different elements at play, but first I wanted to say, Allison, how scary do you find a
1: remote vacation cabin? Not as scary as some other things we've talked about. Like, I think I could kind of do remote, but like how remote? We're talking remote. That's the thing. It's
2: like, we're, you cannot walk to a neighbor remote.
1: Yeah. See, I think like if I could walk a mile to somebody. Right. I'd be okay. Well, I guess maybe, yeah, maybe the larger question is how do you feel about being snowed in? Yeah. Snowed in is scarier. Yes. Whereas like just like a cabin is a cabin. Yeah, exactly. A cabin is like cute and you have hot chocolate. It's like nice to be away from the city and like, yeah. Yeah. Snowed in is like you're already being pre
2: buried. You know what I mean? When for when you freeze to death, there is
1: a very buried alive stuck. Like the stuckness is very like. Not only is it like physically like keeping you in, but then also like the ex like outside is the elements are so uninhabitable too.
2: Yeah, I I guess like growing up, I live we lived in a rural area, so our power went out fairly regularly. Like in the winter, we'd have like you know horrible snowstorms. Not so much now due to climate change. (laughs) Now it's just balmy summers. Yeah, balmy summers, even balmier winters. (laughs) Um, But I remember in fifth grade, we had this snowstorm where it snowed five feet. And we were stuck. I think we were off school like five days or something. And we were just essentially trapped. And like, luckily, I lived like in a town. We could walk to a neighbor. Even though snow plows. This, this movie is even more remote. And there is a lingering, like, I do have a fear of that. I think yeah. from childhood, it was like, everything was fine. We were safe. Like, you know, we could always get access to help. But these people are so far out that yeah. they can't just go to a neighbor. They're no. You know, they can't necessarily access help right away. And I don't know whether it's just because I've lived in a city so long. Like, I just, I can't do it. I wouldn't be one of these people who could live very far out.
1: No, I couldn't like I definitely couldn't do it for like more than a few days. Like I couldn't live like that. But like a short vacation, I could see myself being like, okay, you could do this. Like it'll be a nice break. Well, Allison, that's mistake number one. Thinking that a few days it could ever is that enough a few days. days? Like
2: terrible happen.
1: I know a few days. There's plenty of of terrors can uh, find you in a few days.
2: Exactly. Um, speaking of, we always like to have Allison guess the twist. So, what twist, if any, do you think will be in this movie?
1: The twist based on what I saw in the trailer, I do think that perhaps the husband father figure might come back in a way that because he, from what I can tell, the trailer he's like, I'm gonna go, new girlfriend, stay with my kids. Uh, there's already a big ask, like, already a huge huge ask. ask, and like they're not like close. So, right, I have a feeling maybe he comes back wrong. Okay. Great. (laughs) Um, That's a guess. That's one of the many things I think could be happening. And we always
2: like to encourage everyone to watch the trailer as well. So you get like certain trailer,
1: but during the day,
2: (laughs) get in the spooky mood. So let us begin ruining the lodge. We open on Laura, who is played by um, Alicia Silverstone. Is that her name? Is that who that is? Am I saying her name right? It sounded so weird. Alicia
1: Silverstone? Yes. Yeah.
2: So she's playing Laura.
1: Yes. Far cry
2: from clueless, yeah. But I mean, she's great in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Boy, I mean, she's an icon. You know, she oh, I will lo- always oh, love I her. I love her.
1: But this is a different role. Yes, yeah. <laughs> not exactly. as fun. It's not just like shopping and making out with Paul Rudd.
2: There will be no shopping, and there will be tragically.
1: No Paul Rudd in this movie, it's, which is crazy because there was a period of time where he showed up and everything.
2: There is a little making out, so something right. to be, look I'll forward take to. It. Him. So Laura is with her children, Aiden and Mia, and we see her sort of getting red, ready to go somewhere. She's very nervous. She's like putting on lipstick. She's clearly trying to primp, you know. Mm-hmm. And she is taking her kids over to her ex husband's house. You know, they're separated, but they're still married. And we could tell right away, like she she wishes they would get back together. Like, clearly, she's trying to, like, make herself look good to, like, impress him. Unfortunately, as soon as they get there, her ex-husband, Richard, tells her, hey, um, I need to, like, actually finalize the divorce because I'm getting married to my new girlfriend, who we, at some point, find out he left Laura for. Okay. So, Laura is absolutely devastated And her kids already hate the new girlfriend, who we haven't met yet. But they hate the new girlfriend because their father left their mother for her. Yeah, you would resent her. And so they're immediately hostile. And he says when they arrive, he's like, oh, um, she's not here. But Laura looks and sees the girlfriend ducking out the back garden. Mm. So... Maybe she just left, but, like, she was here. She's always around in her life. And so Richard tells Laura, it's over. We need to finalize because me and Grace, the girlfriend, are getting married in September. In the next scene, Laura sits down at the dinner table, pours herself a glass of wine, takes off her necklace, and shoots herself in the head, killing herself. (gasps) What? It is out of nowhere. It is awful. She puts a gun in her mouth and— blood sprays out of the back of her head. It is so shocking, and it's it happens so early in the movie. It's
1: awful. That is a lot. It also means we're not going to see Alicia Silverstone again in the film. That's a bummer, because I do like her as an actress.
2: But I think we had to do it... I think they had to do it this way. It was so shocking and so awful to set up yeah. the events of the movie. Yeah, Because so, let seems... me tell you, if Aiden and Mia didn't dislike Grace before, they sure as hell hate her now. Ooh, yeah, I bet. So they... Because they blame her for the divorce, which... You know, and obviously Laura probably had. I think Laura had psychological problems, but also people. It's extremely. You know, people are depressed about divorce and and all every normal human emotion. So you know, I'm not saying that Richard wanting divorce killed Laura. She killed herself, but it set up such a terrible toxic dynamic in the family where basically the new girlfriend Grace is the cause of all of this pain. Yes. So, and I think that they do said that, but was like, these kids fucking hate this woman. She does not have a chance.
1: Yeah. At there's least no, at the beginning. There's no redemption. Like, there, or there's no, like, quick path to, like, okay, this is fine now. Exactly. So, we see um, Mia, Aiden,
2: and Richard at their mother— at Laura's funeral, and it's so sad. And I just going to think that Laura herself was religious. She has, like, crosses and uh, the Virgin Mary, so presumably Catholic— and so, um, one of the worst teachings, and we got some bad ones in the Catholic Church, is that if you uh, die by suicide, you go to hell. Mm. And I, I don't know. I listen. We, yeah. we we're not at a thousand. You know yeah. about the Catholic Church. But at that night, Mia, who's I guess I think she's like eleven, and then um, the son, Aiden's like fifteen, sixteen. 14, yeah so old enough to understand what happened but like young enough where it's just like you don't have any resources like you have nothing it's just grief and mia and night is just sobbing and just that her mother can't go to heaven because she died by suicide and it's mm-hmm. like well yeah she thinks that the church is real
1: she thinks yeah. like religion is real right right you know so Which, okay
2: you know, and Aiden's obviously very distraught and he comes in, and lays down next to me and like holds her hand and is very sweet to her. Hmm. But you know, it's just like this grief, a like horrible grief. And then six months later, it's Thanksgiving. And okay. they have like these very cute turkey balloons. Maybe I should try to get some. But it looked like little floating cooked turkeys. And their tradition on Thanksgiving is that they don't eat turkey, they eat a lasagna. And that was like their mother's tradition. I love a lasagna for Thanksgiving. But right when they're having a little sweet moment, the three of them, Richard says, so I think for Christmas we should go to the cabin with Grace.
1: And they're like, no, we don't like Grace. We're never going to like Grace. And also like a a holiday like that, like the first one after your mom has died. Incredibly loaded, incredibly heavy, incredibly painful. It's
2: like, oh yeah, so let's go to a secluded area where like you can't even like go see your friends or like whatever, have a break from your, my new girlfriend for Christmas. And also this essentially would be the first time they're spending like any actual time with Grace. Right. He also tells them, oh yeah, also I'll have to come back down to the city for work. And he mentions the paper, because at first I thought he was like a psychiatrist or something, but I think he's actually a journalist, because he mentions, Ugh. oh, the paper. So it's like, I don't know what newspapers, he has to be there to publish things around Christmas. Like, Yeah, I think right, they does he like t- work in the printing part of it? Like, And with- like, it's all online, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, let's say he works, like, yeah, I don't know. So they, but uh, needless to say, not only am I, we're going to spend Christmas with my new girlfriend, who you already hate and have spent no time with, but I will leave you with her for ostensibly a couple days and then come back for
1: Christmas. In the middle of nowhere.
2: So obviously, Aiden and me are like, absolutely not. No. This is wild. Like, there's nothing for us in this. This is just for you. Yeah. And Aiden says during this argument, you left mom for a psychopath.
1: <gasps> and Richard
2: replies, who told you she's a psychopath? Which is not what you want to hear no, from your no, father.
1: That is absolutely not like, that's like, wait,
2: how did you know? And Aiden said, she's in your books, isn't she? So later, we hear me and Aiden on their dad's computer, you know, without his knowledge. Mm-hmm. And they've Googled her name's Grace Marshall. And so she was in his book, who again, that's why I think he's a journalist and not a therapist, is I think mm-hmm. his was like a,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, true crime type of book that he had published. He wrote about her. She was the sole survivor of a doomsday Christian cult who oh. all died by mass suicide. Oh and she was the uh, daughter of the leader. His name's Aaron Marshall. And also, Grace is played by Riley Keough, and I think the guy, Aaron Marshall, her father, is played by her actual father, which I thought was fun. Oh, that's fun. And he's not in it a lot because he is all has also died. (laughs) But we they're able to find like video of like this mass suicide. It looks like Heaven's Gate. Like they're all covered in a purple shroud. They have their shoes off. Awful. And then when you in the video, they pull the shroud off of one of the cult members who has died, and they all have um, a piece of duct tape over their mouth that with the word sin on it. Oh. Cool, so cool, cool. I think this idea
1: is like, oh, we have to be like Jesus. We have to sacrifice yeah. ourselves in order yes. to go to heaven. If you've done any sinning, which obviously being alive in those cults is Exactly. Enough.
2: Anyone is a sinner. And it's sort of like, it's just setting up another layer of like, man, religion has a lot of value, value to people's lives. But boy, it, if it, it can, goes it go, can go so right.
1: Yeah, yeah, it can go really wrong.
2: And uh, they're able to find like a video of Aaron preaching. And he's like, God is waiting. He's so impatient. I can't wait to see your smiling faces. Please join with me. So Grace
1: was the only person who survived, and she survived when she was like 12. Okay. So and we there was know- no volleyball in this cult, right? They didn't look like they were having a lot of fun. <laughs> any scarves? Any any satin scarves? <laughs> no. I did watch some of The Vow, and I found it boring. I I, I think
2: I watched two episodes. My boyfriend, yeah. Dave, uh, boyfriend of the pod, he, he kept going a while longer, but... I, I guess there's another one to do, so it's a lot better. Yeah. I, I think I, I just have all the information I need to have. Yeah, I, I, I feel terrible so for everyone involved. Well, I mean, not the cult leader. He's in jail, as he should be. Yeah, right. But, um, yeah, I don't— I, I think, unfortunately, we see this video of the cult. There's a lot of kids. Mm. So I guess it's supposed to be more of like a, um, the uh, Death cult. Like a Jonestown yeah, type yeah, of yeah. situation. So, But as a result, Grace is the only surviving member of this horrific situation— and so we're to understand that
1: Richard wrote a book about her,
2: and is now dating her, and wants to get
1: engaged. That no, is so unethical. No, that's so wrong on a lot of levels. Like I could see why she would like get into that. Yes, like here's someone who's interested, someone who understands, like someone all this who's stuff.
2: normal, somebody who like has a life and like isn't,
1: I, wasn't raised in a cult. Yeah, but for him, it's like, and then also like the weirdness of like the fact that his wife has now killed herself. Like, there's a lot of, like, weird... Yes. Like, suicide cult, like, a, a tragic suicide. Like, there's... It's too much... Bu- like, no, you guys can't be together. And I, I think that's sort of... They never really
2: address this, but I do wonder, uh, based on, the, you know, the clues we've been given, it's like, was Laura also someone who was, like, what had went through a lot of trauma... And, yeah. like, he's probably quote, saved her. Like, he's doing grace. Like, we don't know anything about Laura's backstory. I don't I don't know. It's like, was he doing the same thing with her and their relationship that he's now doing with grace? Right. Where he's like, oh, yeah, of course I wrote a book about someone who was in a cult. And now I'm going to marry her and make her the stepmother of my kids. Yeah. that It seems like a pattern. If you write a book about somebody as a journalist... You can't marry them. You can't them. date them. You can't yeah. marry them. I'm sorry. sorry. But, anywho... Richard, it says to me and Aiden, we are going. We are going to the cabin. Pack your stuff, and we see them packing very conspicuously. And it, it this is to me the shot that is the difference between the movie we have and the a different version of this movie. And we'll discuss this at the end. We see Aiden it put into his bag two votive like glass candles and a framed okay. photo into his bag, and we very deliberately see this. Okay just to think about it for later. So they all pack up and um Bea's also got uh sea monkeys so she's like bringing them along. Sure. And we keep seeing them and I don't know whether it's like they're the sea monkeys but sea monkeys are vile. Like they're just ugh. Ugh. It's just like
1: ocean crap.
2: They're like little translucent right? weird yeah. shrimp. It's not their fault they're gross, but it's like why would they're not they pets. shouldn't be our pets.
1: They should not be no. our pets. No.
2: Yeah, they, we should have no business with them. No. So, finally, they pick up Grace on the way to the cabin, and we meet her and her dog, Grady, who's this very cute little white dog. And Grace is, like, super nice, and, like, obviously, she's trying her best. The kids mm. have no interest in her. They're like, of course. nope, why would not we be they? doing this. Exactly. So, they drive up to the cabin, and it is the middle of, it's in Massachusetts. Of course. So, but it's funny. It's like, they're in the middle of nowhere. Like, I didn't even know it could be this remote in Massachusetts. Like, it is not like a resort town. It is not a village. It is nowhere. Yeah, Western okay? Mass is
1: scary yeah. place. In a lot and
2: of ways. Um, there's also a lot of dollhouse imagery. Like Mia has a dollhouse at home, where we sort of see. She's like um, she's a doll of her mother that she carries with her, okay. that has like her mother's outfits, which I'm assuming Laura would have had made, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I think after Hereditary, I just kept thinking like, well, they already kind of did the dollhouse thing. Yeah, we did see that. Um, but we, but the the dollhouse is the exact replica of the cabin. I guess we're thinking they're rich. So when they arrive at okay. the cabin, it's sort of like paralleling this dollhouse life and and their yes. real life, which is about to go really off the rails. Um, and as they're they're sort of um, un, unpacking everything, we see like in front of the cabin, there's a big frozen lake mm-hmm. um, that sort of stretches out in this ominous way. And Grace is getting ready, and she has a big bag of psychiatric medication. Great. And it sort of implies that she's hiding it from Richard, which I don't understand. Where it's like he knows what she's been through. Like
1: I, who would yeah, blame her for it being be on surprising. psychiatric medication? Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't be surprising for someone with that backstory to be like, "Yeah, I also just like have some maintenance meds because my life has been an absolute horror show."
2: Yeah, and at one point she he like he, they're talking and she has her pill in her hand and she's kind of hiding it behind her back. And I was like, I, I don't know what they're supposed to think. Like, was Richard telling her you don't need medication? Yeah. Or like, oh. it, it's just not clear to me. Someone taking medication is like a good sign that they're on top of things, you know, like they're yeah, working healthy. Exactly. So, I don't know. But again, another element where it's like, you're not exactly know how you should feel about it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, you know, they have sit down to dinner. The kids, again, are not interested in interacting with Grace. And then, again, there's all this religious stuff over all over the cabin, too. Like, a big Virgin Mary, and all of it was Laura. Laura's very religious. And it's clearly disturbing to Grace. Like, she keeps looking at it, and I'm sure, we're, you know, she's thinking of her own experience mm-hmm. with religion and is kind of freaked out about it. there's a crucifix in their bedroom and Richard said, we could take that down. Like, that was Laura's, like, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. But Grace says, nope, I'm totally fine. I don't want to change anything. It is great. Um, The next day, they go ice skating on this frozen lake, which again, because of climate change, I was just reading this thing
1: where like lakes aren't freezing. So there's been a lot more um, accidents where people have been falling through the ice. Right. That normally would be much thicker and sustaining weight. But like now, yeah, I also, yeah, I didn't grow up in a place where it was like, oh, we skate on a lake in the winter. Like it never, there was, yeah. it's not that cold. We're up like in Maryland and like, that's not it. So like, to me, it always seems scary because that never seems stable. But I understand that it is like. Yeah.
2: I remember only one time, because my parents are very like nervous people as Mm -hmm. I am. We were always warned about skating on, um, Or or skating or walking on ice. Um, Yeah. I remember one time we were with some, like, their friends, and we skated across this part of a lake, and it was totally fine, and, like, I'm sure they researched it, and, like, other people were doing it, and it was fine. But at the time, I was like, the only thing I know about lakes is that you will fall through into it. Yeah. Which we also saw an orphan. It's a very common horror trope to be like— Yeah,
1: it's super scary, and also really common and feasible,
2: like— Right, and it's extremely common so much so that it's also in this movie. Of course. So uh, Mia has uh, has been, like, skating her little mom doll around and accidentally drops the doll into a fishing hole. And so Grace says, I'll get it out. Don't ever go near a fishing what? hole or a no. hole in the ice ever. Obviously, she goes towards the hole, the ice breaks, and she is dropped into the water. <gasps> and, and, and Richard's able to come over and, and help her, and Aiden's, like, helping his dad. But it's, like, this kind of, like, frightening moment— of, you know, just sort of, like, out of nowhere, s- somebody could have died. Yeah. So then Richard says, the first good thought this guy has had in this movie is, like, well, maybe I shouldn't go back to the city. Like, that was fucked up. And, like, I don't know, maybe I'm, like, rethinking going. And
1: Grace says, you go ahead. Okay, well, now it's her fault. We'll be fine. And I Also, why doesn't everyone just be like, you know what? Maybe we reschedule this trip and we all go back to the city.
2: If I fill the, through the ice, I'm like, we're driving back. We're driving to a Starbucks. I, you know, we're going to we're driving to an old navy. I'm buying all new like new clothes. Like yes. I, and, and we're just I'm buying a blanket and we're driving back to civilization. Yeah, we're not even stopping. I need to be in a city. We're not packing. It's gone. Yeah, we'll get Grady in the in the in the car. That's it. Yeah. Before he leaves, Richard shows Grace um, a, fair, a family heirloom that he has in his closet. And it is, of course, a gun and oh. it is a safe. And he's like, I'll take you out shooting, I guess, for like protection. Like, oh, while I'm gone, you can have this
1: gun, which is like so bananas. You yeah, know, it's like you're so going to be weird. gone for like two days. You oh. think that this woman's going to have to like shoot somebody? I don't know. Also, yeah, like a gun is like not the thing. Where if he was like, hey, here's like an emergency generator and like. Right. Hypothermia blankets. I'd be like, oh, these are things that like we could conceivably need given what's already here's a happened. satellite but a gun, radio and a phone. Like here, yeah, yeah here's a,
2: like a crank flashlight. Like right. here's how to like a start the grill. I don't know, yeah, like anything where it's like like a practical something that is a practical survival skill.
1: thing, not just like a weapon.
2: Yeah, and we all know what well Chekhov's gun. I was gonna be like, we all know yeah. that, that crazy guy Chekhov. When you see yeah. a gun, the gun's going to have to co- show up later in the movie. It'll come back in the third act. So Richard has to go back to the city to work on the paper or whatever. And he but he'll be back in time for Christmas. So Grace is now just in a situation where she's like, oh, hey, okay. So you guys want to like decorate the living room and and um, you know, maybe we can make food. The kids immediately just go lock themselves in their room and like will not talk to her. Cool. Yeah. Also, there's no although no, there is a TV, we see later. But I was like, right. if I was being able to, like, I'm putting on Christmas movies, people could just come out. If they yeah. want to stay
1: in their room, that's fine. They're they're right. they're a tween and a teenager. Yeah, they're not like No matter what, they're not going to be like, "Oh, you're our new best friend." Exactly at that age. Um,
2: And Mia kind of warms up to Grace a little bit. Like, I think it's like she is more interested in having like a mother figure. And uh, but Grace like can't really relate to her. Which uh, this is the other kind of part where I thought was funny because Grace has not had a normal childhood. Yeah, of course not. So she's talking to Laura uh, to Mia. She's like, "Yeah, I didn't get presents as as a kid. Uh, My dad was um, really into the Bible." It's like, mm. oh, yeah, that's one way to put it. Yeah, I get, I, that's not wrong, but it's not the whole truth. And um, Mia says, oh, I can I show you the present that me and Aiden made for their dad? And she shows her, and it's a DVD of all these, like, very sweet holiday moments with their mom. Aww. You know, Laura. But also, obviously, like, Grace feels terrible. And, like, right. she kind of, like, walks out. She's, like, so distraught. She doesn't want Mia to see it. But also, it's like, girl, you're joining this family. Like, it's— right you got to get on board where it's like, we're going to talk about Laura. You know, she's part of um, life and everything. Yeah. So that evening, Grace is showering. And when she gets out, she sees written in the steam on the window, it says, Mom. And then she looks in the mirror, and she sees that Aiden has been watching her from the doorway. Ooh. Right. And so he tries to I move, like that. uh she tries to talk to him but he's pretending to be asleep and like won't, won't talk to her about it which I don't know that seems kind of fairly normal. Yeah. Um, but what's not normal is that there's sort of a creepy altar set up with like candles and um Mia's like doll of her mother. Yeah. And which she had freaks freaks grace out and Grace I am she's Mary. Yeah. Uh, presumably because of her upbringing, has, doesn't know what's normal or not. Because to me, I'd be like, wait, everyone's
1: waking up. What is this? Yes. Who made this? We're dealing with this.
2: Everyone come downstairs. We're watching a Christmas story and everyone's shutting up and drinking hot cocoa. You know, yeah. like, we're going to sit like, here in silence until your
1: father gets home. And exactly. I'm, you're going to stay in my eyeline.
2: We're going to have fun if it yeah. kills us. And unfortunately, it might I guess it in might. this film. And uh, she also has a terrifying dream where she wakes up and she goes to me and Aiden's room and uh, one of them has a shroud over her. Them, and when she pulls back in a dream, and when she pulls back the shroud, it's her father. So clearly, she's very haunted by this experience. And also, it's like she's trying to make a family. Her family was fucked up, you know. In the morning, she sees like her drawers open, the Christmas kids' Christmas gifts have been moved all around, and Mia's Laura doll is hidden in her bag, and. In an interesting move, obviously she knows the kids have done it, like kind of Mm -hmm. moved around her stuff. Mia's like, I can't find my doll. Where do you think it is? And so Grace has put it in Grady's dog bed. It was like, oh, Grady must have stolen it. It's sort of like a power play. Like, I know you put it in my room, but I'm not going to tell you I found it. Yeah, I'm going to
1: let this game go on. Yeah, okay. Yeah, if you want to play games, guess what? I think Grady was playing with your doll. I'm an adult. I can play games better than you probably. Yeah, maybe not. We'll see.
2: And so, uh, you know, Grace and Richard are calling each other and, you know, Grace is trying to be like, everything's great, it's fine or whatever. And finally, Grace, you know, they're sitting in icy silence and she finally confronts Aiden and is like, I feel like we have to talk. You know, like, I just want to have a conversation. Like, And Aiden's like, I don't want to talk to you. And Grace says, you don't want to talk to me. Okay, you don't want to talk to me, you just want to watch me in the shower. <gasps> but I kind of like what she, like, called about. out. But yeah, because that
1: was weird.
2: And Aiden's like, why would I want to talk to you? Which is kind of like a snotty thing, but like, he's a teenager. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like, right. I yeah, think he's, he's just going to make be it, yeah. A shitty kid.
2: He's going to make her work every inch of that relationship, mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. going to be an asshole the whole time. But again, that seems fairly normal, you know, I, yeah. in terms Teen, of this, like, very tough stuff. year. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're still, I mean, obviously traumatized when you their They're mourning death. their mother, yeah. So Grace finally does the thing that I would have done, which is they just put on the thing, and they make hot cocoa. Great, <laughs> And Aiden actually makes the cocoa, and he gives Grace a mug as sort of like an apology for, mm-hmm. I guess, watching her shower. <laughs> it's all fine now. Water yeah. under a bridge. And Mia complains about it being cold, so Aiden says he'll go get the gas heater, and he p- says to the gas heater, but it smells like gas, and Grace, because she doesn't know about the gas heater, she doesn't know a gas heater from huh, another kind of heater. I don't know right. anything about I know. either. I wouldn't know anything about a gas heater. And Grace says, is it safe to have that in the house? And Aiden says, yeah, we do it. All the time It's totally fine, and they the thing is getting a little spooky, which it is. So they switch to Jack Frost, the Michael Keaton version, mm-hmm. um, not the horror movie, and they all fall asleep. And Grace wakes up in the dead of the night, and she is laying asleep out on the frozen lake, <gasps> and she could hear sort of the ice like creaking and cracking around her. And oh my she god! She does not have a coat on, and she looks under the ice, and like me as Laura dolls like under the ice, she's like, "How did it get there?" And as she looks down, her father pulls her down into the lake. It's a dream. It's a dream. Okay. So she wakes up in the morning, and me and Aiden are asleep next to her. They're in the house like normal. They're in the house like normal, but the power is out. They fall asleep in the living room, like in front of the TV. The power is out. Her phone is dead, even though it's plugged in. I mean, because the power, I guess.
1: Because the power went out, yeah. The
2: house is freezing. The pipes are now frozen because (gasps) the power is out. And, of course, there's snow drifting in constantly. Yes. The decorations are missing. Aiden's phone is dead, too. The fridge is... Empty of food, and the gas heater is missing entirely. Allison, no. I ask you now, what would you do?
0: What would you do?
1: Oh, no. I would—she doesn't have a car? No. He, he, took, the he car. took the car. Also, him taking the car is You have to have huge, a second car. You have to have yeah. a second car. If Come you're going to leave somebody for a couple of days at a with remote two kids. cabin with two also, kids. Like,
2: what if something happened? Like, what if one of them yeah. fell down? Like, there's literally any kind of domestic accident can happen.
1: I would put on all of. The, we would all put on all of the clothes that we brought, just all of them. Oh
2: wait, hang on. Before you answer, um, all their clothes are gone too, including their winter wear. Have disappeared. So, so they're, they're really in their coats. They or cats can't go out. Or um, mittens. There's yes. nothing
1: that they could like protect themselves with. Well, they have blankets still. Okay, but, but they are miles from somebody else. Exactly. Oh God. Yeah, this is a tough one. Maybe I would get myself all wrapped up in the blankets and go out on the ice. And like, would there be other people? Like, are there other places on the lake? Like, would that be a faster? No. There's nothing that we see. So
2: ostensibly, I, in my mind, You're yes. just, okay. you just I would just say you're the adult. You put on
1: a ton of blankets and you just walk. I you just, You like grab those kids and you're like, we're going to protect ourselves with everything and just start see, walking. See, I was going to
2: say the kids stay there and you walk. Like the kids, like it's just bundle oh, them up. Yeah, I guess they could stay. If it be right if they
1: were younger, I would say we have to go. But they're a teenager. They're old or enough a tween. that like, hopefully, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm with you. Maybe I would just go and start walking. You can't just stay there. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, just staying and waiting. I mean, you're just waiting to die.
2: And also, if the pipes are frozen, you I mean, you get one flush on on the toilet, and you yeah. guys are in dire straits. You yeah, know?
1: no, you're you're pooping outside.
2: So Grace says, again, I, she she does a lot of things that I feel like I would do. When she says, if this is a joke, it's not funny. I am going to my room. And if
1: all this stuff isn't back, I'm going to be pissed. And yep, she like, goes into her room. Definitely my first move is like, you guys did this. So
2: she goes into her room and um, she goes to take her uh, medication. It's gone. So her pills are gone too. So she comes in. She's like, you've got to be kidding me. I need my medication. This is ridiculous. You guys are brats or whatever. And Aiden says, I didn't take them. Maybe you should ask yourself where they are since you're the one walking through the house all night long. And Grace is like, what are you talking about? She's like, we hear you walking around all night. Ah. And Grace is like, is that true? Am I walking around all night? Was that a dream or was I outside? And so Grace is like, but she's thinking too that you guys stole this stuff. Okay. So she goes into Aiden and Grace's room and is tearing it up looking for her pills, but all their stuff is gone too.
1: Okay, everyone's stuff is gone.
2: Everyone's stuff is gone. And also Mia's Laura doll gone. Yeah. And then they realize, not only is all their stuff gone, the worst thing has happened. Grady the dog is missing. Oh. And it is freezing outside. Like, there is a that howling is wind. I. It's not even a big dog. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, RIP Grady. He's a little dog popsicle out there at this oh, point. Oh, buddy. And so, to me, I would be like, okay, something, somebody's coming to the house, or, or something has happened yeah. that... Well, I need to go get help. Like, yes. things yes. are already out of control. But they don't do that. Grace starts course. a fire
1: to melt snow, so they have water. So that's good. All right. I mean, that's smart. How'd she start? I mean, yeah. I guess starting a fire would have been on my list. Yeah, of I guess I they just have, like, do. logs and stuff already right there. Yeah. I've never built a fire,
2: so I don't no, even know if I could do that. neither.
1: I'm not—I don't know what I'm doing.
2: Well, well, that's 2021. I'm going to learn how to make a fire. Yes. We'll be fire people. And Aiden says, oh, we do have a generator, but I looked at the generator is out. Like, it's not working. So we don't know. Was it sabotage? Is it just out of gas? You know, and he says, "Oh, and the nearest town is miles away in this snowstorm, and the roads could be closed for days when it snows like this." Why would you ever go to Christmas at this place? I would
1: never. I'll never understand. And also, like, why would you leave them? That like the I'm I'm blaming the husband a lot here. The husband, father, or the oh yeah.
2: Also, I, again, I don't know what their relationship is. But it's like, if that's your partner, I, like, mm-hmm. I would be calling Dave every 20 minutes. And you're goddamn—and I guess the phones are out. But right. to me, it's like, if he—again, if, if again, Dave, boyfriend of the pot, if he couldn't reach me in the morning and I'm with his kids, like, he would immediately yeah. drive back where he'd call the cops to come do right. a wellness check. Why he'd immediately he- be like, why can't I reach them? Yeah, why is he
1: okay with this setup?
2: So Aiden tells Grace, um, I had a weird nightmare last night, same night. In the dream, the gas heater started smoking, and we couldn't breathe, and we suffocated. And Grace notices that all the dates, unlike the clocks, say January 9th. It should say December 22nd.
1: Whoa. Ooh, my but
2: they have been changed January 9th. So she changed it back. She keeps leaving food outside for Grady, as if poor Grady isn't frozen yeah, into frozen a total cube. Under miles of snow, yeah. And at a certain point, Grace comes back in, and she hears Mia talking on the phone, on her phone. So the kids both have cell phones that are ostensibly dead. Right. But, so Grace busts in, but Mia's just talking. She's like, I'm just talking, like, I was just pretending.
1: Mm.
2: And she gets her phone, and her phone is dead. Okay. So, you know, so they're able to heat the living room, and they're able to get water, so they're kind of, like, all just, like, boxed into the living room. But that place must be freezing.
1: Yeah. No matter, right yeah, just, like, being in a cold, snow-encased home with frozen yeah. pipes, and then, like, a fire. Like, that's not really gonna... It's not like it's toasty in there. Exactly. They're just not dead yet. Next time, Ray t- takes a bath, um, the
2: steam from the bath reveals the phrase repent. Also, she has to boil all that water for a bath, which would take forever, but... It doesn't seem worth it,
1: but... Okay. I guess
2: what else do you do it in there? Yeah. It says repent on the glass. She starts to hear her father's voice from that sermon we saw earlier that they the kids found online. Mm-hmm. She keeps hearing it over and over again, And she bursts into, you know, or Mia bursts into a room and says, I heard a voice. So now Mia is also hearing a voice. Okay. And um, they go into a a room that a door keeps popping open. Grace goes in, and she's like, oh, the doors just open a crack. Uh, The windows open a crack, so it's kind of blowing in. When Grace goes to shut the door, she looks outside, and there are just dozens and dozens of snow angels on the snow outside. (gasps) But as far as we've seen, neither she nor the kids have been outside.
1: Okay. And it's not Ooh. like there's like a bunch of people coming. Exactly. Get, like, Ooh. who made the Snow Angels? Mm.
2: At a certain point, Grace tries to sleep and she sees herself opening the gun safe and then just walking around the darkened house with the gun. And I think we're supposed to think that she's just sort of, you know, losing her mind. And she goes into the right. kids' room and she sees that Aiden has a purple shroud like the cult had on. Ooh. And she pulled the shroud back, and Aiden has the sin duct tape on his mouth. Cut to Aiden and Mia yelling at Grace to wake up because she is it is morning, and she is standing in a fugue state, holding the gun next to Aiden's bed. Okay, so she's having like walking waking yeah. nightmares. And we at least put like at this point we know she just never psychiatric medication, so she's at least missed a day of it. Yes. And she's been through this extremely traumatic thing, and, and we don't know what's real. We don't know what, what she is perceiving. Ooh, oh, we don't, we're not exactly sure scary. if this is just psychological or if, if somebody else has been coming in the house or what's going right. on. Okay. Um, again, she looks again, the clock, the uh, date has been changed back to January
1: 9th. Okay. So, which is clearly a significant date. Exactly. I assume it was when the cult suicide happened. Well, we'll get to that in a minute, okay. but that's a good guess. Okay. Um, also, so, like, it's scary because, like, now the whole movie feels, like, unreliable. Like, everybody's yes. unreliable. So, like, you stop knowing what's real and what's not, which I don't like. Exactly. So, luckily, they have, like, a bunch of canned food.
2: So, they've been eating, like, canned chili and, like, mm-hmm. they have, like, jam and, like, stuff they brought. Yeah. And so, Grace, sa- finally, she says, I need my medication. I cannot be off my medication. I'm going to just bundle myself up in the blankets and walk to the next town. And the kids are like, you Just, it, you can't do die. it it's freezing there's like a right. blizzard you're going to f- die out there but i but what else what other options does she have you right. know like it, she doesn't know essentially rich is coming back but like that's in a couple of days like who knows what will happen especially mm-hmm. with her you know her mental state so she sets off across that frozen lake. You got to follow the road. That's my opinion. Yes. You can't be walking yes. across the lake. No, you got to,
1: a road is the answer here.
2: Yeah. But eventually she makes it to a building which looks like a lighthouse and she goes up to it. And as she's approaching, we see the person inside is her father. Great. And then we look again, and it's not obviously, but you know he's this she's omnipresent, yes. malevolent force in her life. And she goes up to the ha- the building and she's knocking on it. But it's not like a... A regular house. It's like, it looks like it's like maintained by the s- state to monitor the yeah. lake or something. So there's no one there. It's Christmas. Everyone's off. Right. And so she keeps walking and she gets totally turned around. It's like snowy. She's freezing and panicking. And she looks up at a certain point and she has just walked all the way back to the house. Okay. She's essentially walked in a giant circle. And she's, fr- I mean, she, and she's, she's, she can't
1: like be like, all yeah. right, I'm going to change course. Like it's like, no, you have to go back inside now for like, yeah, two she doesn't days. have
2: a hat or gloves. She at least has to go warm up, you yeah. know? She walks back up, and as they walk, uh, she walks up to the building. She sees like something buried in the snow. It's like um, flowers, and she unearths them, and she finds uh, like a bouquet of flowers, two votive candles, and a framed photo of Aiden and Mia that says "In Loving Memory." Oh my god! And so she takes it inside. And Aiden's like, "What does this photo mean?" And I need these kids to start offering solutions because Aiden has a lot of questions, but I need him to be like, okay, I'm going to walk now,
1: you know? like, And he's old enough to be participating. Yes, like, it's exactly. like, I, that's like, you know, always my issue with teens and tweens where it's like, you want to be an adult? Like, here's your chance to be an adult. You need to do something. Yeah. <laughs> you need to help.
2: Well, unfortunately, Aiden is, Aiden's helpfulness in this, uh, he has a suggestion and Aiden says, I think maybe we, we are dead. Like, I think we died. I think that we're in some sort of purgatory. I think we th- we died. The gas heater suffocated us because— That was going to be my guess. Yeah. N- nothing seems to be making sense. And Grace is like, my feet are cold. We're all hungry. We're still, I'm assuming, going to the right. bathroom. We're not dead, you know? Right. But Aiden's like, but none of this makes any sense. Like, you know, like, yeah. he he's sort of trying to piece together, like—
1: It's not—that's not a terrible pitch from him. Right. Like, that was something that I, an adult woman, was thinking. I was like— oh, could they have, like, been, you know, are they, like, suffocating from carbon monoxide or, like, what? you know, a gas leak. And because Aiden is also
2: religious, he's like, we're in purgatory, and if we're in purgatory, we have to confess our sins. So it's kind of, like, evoking for Mm. her, like, her father's same message, right? So that night, Grace had taken the crucifix down in the bedroom eventually because it was disturbing her. She puts it back up, and I think we're to think, she started to maybe think, you know, maybe her dad was right.
1: Yeah, okay,
2: that's not great. Exactly. Maybe she has to sort of take things into her own hands, you know? Mm. And we hear one of the quotes from her father's sermon says,
0: We know God is waiting. It's time now. It's time to open the door. You and you alone hold the key. And you know
2: how to open the door. (gasps) Exactly. Exactly. And uh, so Grace in the morning goes outside and she finds Mia and Aiden praying and they have found a church newsletter with their obituaries in it. Oh. So it says, Grace Marshall and Mia and Aiden Hall died on Silver Pond December 22nd. Um, They were killed by a defective gas heater and their memorial will be held January 9th.
1: Okay. So we're kind of living in a world where like every day is their funeral. (laughs) Well,
2: Grace <laughs> says to them, did you make this? Like, did you? Right. Is this, did you A do, joke. are you doing yeah. this? Right. And she and Anne get in this screaming fight. And Anne says like, Grace, we must repent for our sins so we can heaven. She's like, shut up. Like, and Anne says, I will prove to you that we're dead. And in this horrible scene, she hears Mia screaming in another room. And she runs in and Anne has hung himself <gasps> in the stairwell. And then he looks up and he's still alive. And we sort of oh. hear these, you know, okay. um, Aiden's theory is we cannot die because we we're We can't die because we're,
1: yeah, got it.
2: We're caught in purgatory, so we need to confess our sins and repent and go to heaven. Grace, okay. understandably, has fully lost her mind at this point. Like, she's oh. had a break
1: with reality. She just saw this thing happen. I, yeah, this, I would, I think I would just, like, walk out and, uh, you know, let myself freeze to death at this point. And we keep hearing,
2: like, her father's sermons, and she's, like, screaming, like, why did you leave me, like, to him, like, her, you know, the image of her father, like, why did you do this? Like, why was I the one left behind? And that's when we find out a little something about what's going on, Allison. Oh, no. We see that in the attic, her father's sermon is literally playing on a speaker. She's not hearing voices. It's actually playing. It's actually playing in the house. Cut to well, Grace, Grace doesn't know this yet. So okay. Grace is outside crawling around on her knees in a circle in the snow, like praying, begging for forgiveness, like to get out of the situation. And then she finds Grady's body, and he is—you could you could hit him on a table and he'd shatter into a million little dog pieces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Frozen do- dog And so they bring inside, and Mia starts crying, and Mia apologizes and says, "The Grady thing was my fault. I I let the door open." Which is insane because it was so cold. Was and Grady so cool. got like, out.
1: Okay. Well, like that all at least tracks for me.
2: Exactly. And so, and Grace is refusing to come in because, as far as Grace is concerned, it's like, well, if we're already dead, then I can't freeze to death. So she's just on the steps. They come and put a blanket on her and they're holding this, her dog's body, just okay. completely in a, in a fugue state. Okay. And we finally see me and Aiden inside and they're like, I don't know. We have to stop this. It's gone too far. So we now see that the kids have set this up as an elaborate prank on Grace. All of it? They hid the coats. They hid her medication, which they then fish out from a crawl space in the basement. Like, she didn't know it was there, so she wouldn't have found it.
1: But, like, they are also suffering. Exactly! It must be so cold in this house! It is never worth pranking someone if you also suffer!
2: And so now they feel bad because Grace is outside and she's like getting frostbite. Yeah, she's
1: gonna die.
2: So finally Aiden's like, you know, we were just pretending we didn't die. I didn't even hang myself. Like that was basically like he had, he was like, it was like attached to like something on his back. Like he didn't actually hang himself. Right. None of it was real. We're really sorry. This went too far. And Grace replies, we're all sinners on earth and may God forgive us so that we may enter the kingdom of heaven. Then she says the Lord's Prayer. So, Ooh, they might know no. it's real, not real, but boy, let me tell you, Grace does not. At what point I have to ask you, Allison, who will
0: survive? Who will survive?
1: I don't love when kids die, even if they're teens. so mm-hmm. I want to think that Grace dies and one of the like, maybe the dot da- the daughter. OK.
0: Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers. 37,000.
1: Strict Scrutiny is your guide to the Supreme Court. New episodes drop every Monday, plus bonuses whenever the Supreme Court takes away another one of our rights. Make sure to subscribe to Strict Scrutiny wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So at this point, I'm like, you better turn your goddamn phones on. Or like, you had you better have like a, um, like a trap door revealing that you have another car or something. Something. Because if you're telling me this is a prank... And also now I don't know how to turn the power back on or whatever, which is what they say is Aiden goes to turn on the generator and he's like, I actually can't get it to work.
1: Uh, 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 what have we planned, guys? Yeah. Oh, it worked. Now you're all going to die. Also like very boy who cried wolf. It's like now it'd be so exactly. hard to believe like when he's like, this isn't working. I'd be like, fuck you, it is.
2: And so, but, you know, his phone's dead, but he says to me, like, let, use your phone and call dad. And she says, oh, sorry, my phone's dead, too. I must have been talking to dad too so much. So she was talking to their father when okay. when Grace kind of busts in and, and to try to catch her talking to the dad. But then it's like, why was the dad okay with just talking
1: to his daughter? Right. Wouldn't why? he want to touch base with Grace? Yeah, let me talk to the adult who's in charge for a minute just to kind exactly. of check in. We also find out that
2: that that first night when they fell asleep and they woke up and everything was different, Aiden put a sleeping pill in Grace's hot cocoa. So they drugged her. Okay, like these
1: kids belong in jail. Yeah, absolutely. They're well, psychopaths.
2: Yeah, and Grace, it's like, she's too far gone. So they yeah. they go, they try to go get Grace inside, and she comes inside, but then she lights a fire, and she takes the burning logs and puts them in, in front of the fireplace, and then she's kneeling on them to punish herself. <gasps> so that night, they, like, go up into the attic, and, like, they're kind of huddled up there, because Grace has lost, I mean, she's gone. And she's just, like, screaming and, and like, burning her legs, throwing up, and she's repenting for, like, fornication, Right. You know, bringing, bringing her, like, basically, like, bringing her evil into this family. Like, she's blaming herself. Like, sure, right. she's doing this. She did this to this family and to these kids. Because she's, you know, she's had a psychotic break, essentially. Yeah. And that's the thing about those kids. It's like, yeah, you fucked her out and you found out, didn't you?
1: Yeah. This is your fault this, that you did this. This is what happens when you start, like, messing with religion and people who, like, have subscribed. To, yeah.
2: Finally— Richard picks up that something, now that everyone's phone is dead and
1: he can't talk oh, to anybody, he finally dear.
2: says, maybe I should drive out there and find out what's going on with my children and my girlfriend. Yeah. In my mind, you ha- you should call the police,
1: it's, it, it, whatever, around the town. Yeah. Do a wellness check. Have someone closer go sort out things for you while you're on your exactly. way. Exactly. Know a neighbor.
2: Know anybody on there. Yes. Just to be like, I, I haven't heard of them, I'm concerned or whatever. So he's driving up, but it's going to take five or six hours and he's basically driving behind a snowplow because the roads are all snowed in. So he's going, but it's going to take a while. And in the morning, me and Aiden are sort of still huddled up in the attic. And Grace comes up, and she her face is all frostbitten because she was outside all day. Right. And so it looks horrible, and she has the gun. Great. And she says to him, don't worry, death is already behind us, <gasps> you know, and um, I've always taught by my father. You know, you have to sacrifice something from the Lord and free yourself of idols. So she sets Mia's Laura doll on fire. Great. And so like Mia's screaming and like it, they're just like terrified. And Chris says, "Hey, hey, don't worry." And then cocks the gun. And just then, finally, Richard shows up. Finally. And Richard gets there and like everything is like he kind of askew. And he looks yeah. and he sees Grady's frozen body in the dog bed. So he knows that things have okay. Things gone have gone off the rails
1: really. Taking a left turn here.
2: So he runs up, uh, runs up the stairs, and he sees Grace coming down the attic steps with the gun. And it's very clear that you know she has she has lost touch with reality. And yeah. the kids come down behind her, and Grace says to Richard, "I'm yeah, I'm sorry to tell you, but we're all we're already dead." Oh,
1: and no. he says, "Grace,
2: put down the gun." She's like, "No, no, it's okay. Nope. I can't die." And she puts the gun to her head, <gasps> and she fires, but it it just it misfires, so it doesn't. No bullet comes out. Okay. But in her mind, she's like, "See." It's true. It's true. I am dead. Oh, my God. And and it's like, it's just put it down. It's fine. You know, I'm here. We're, we'll figure this out. And she's like, Richard, you're not listening to me. And she points the gun at him, and she shoots him in the head. Oh, my God. And the kids are sobbing, but they're smart enough to run out of the house to escape.
1: Yeah, they just have to now, like, get in the car. Like, drive away, teen. This woman is gone. You right. did this. It's your fault. Like, you're a monster, but... Get away Gr- from her.
2: And Grace goes over to Richard's body, but, like, again, like, not processing it. And outside, we hear um, Aiden starting the car and then immediately hit, slamming into a snowbank. So of hit, the, we just hear the tires spinning and Grace just slowly walking out to the car <gasps> as the kids are screaming because they're just stuck there. Cut to the final shot is they're at the dinner table and the kids are still In alive, the lodge. In the, in the, in the lodge. The cabin. Yeah, in the cabin. And so the kids are at the table... Richard is dead, and his body is sort of propped up at the end of the table. Oh, no. And the gun's on the table, too. Great. And Grace puts a piece of duct tape over everyone's mouth that says sin, and she sings Nearer My God to Thee, perhaps one of our creepier Christian hymns. And then the final shot is of the handgun on the table. And I'm assuming they just didn't want us, us to see her shooting those her kids. Her shooting children. That yeah. is the end of the movie, Allison. I don't know. They kind of earned it. Well, I mean, I think that's a lot of, like, if you look up, like, reviews and, like, people's reactions, like, yeah, man, I, I, you really put yourself in this
1: position here. Yeah, I feel bad for her and not them.
2: Yes. I, I feel like um they did a good job of having Laura's death be so, like, shocking and sudden that I did really feel bad for the kids, and I understood— It's kind of like, I understand why they
1: did it, but boy, it's their fault that this happened. Yeah, and like, they really let it go too far. Like, there was a point where they could have done it and like, then been like, okay, but like, let's wrap this up now, because like, safety.
2: I mean, they could have done it and just let her have her medication. You know what I mean? Like, you could still scare someone or prank someone and have it be within the realm of normalcy. You steal somebody's psychiatric medication. You don't know what's going to happen. Exactly, exactly. But they fucked her out, and they found out, Allison. Yep, which they really Which leads to did. um the segment we do every episode, which is fatal mistakes.
0: Fatal mistakes.
1: I mean, the father leaving them there with no car. Yeah. Huge, like, like to be like, oh, you guys don't really get along, and we're all recovering from various traumas. Uh, good luck. Like, yeah. That is a huge. Huge, huge, huge one. That'd be I one think, yeah, mine.
2: if you can't reach your partner and they are taking care of your children or any children, Right. you either, you show up yourself, you get someone else to go, or you call you call the police to check on them. Yes, absolutely. You do not let days go without your, talking to your partner who is watching your children. Absolutely yes. not. I yeah. wanted to get into, I, um, I have a segment called Tips and Tricks for Determining if You're Actually Dead or No. Oh, that's and fun. And I wanted to, I was trying to think, like, what could she have sort of touched base with yeah, in my like mind, totem. it would prove that you're not dead. And they don't really get into this movie. In my mind, if you still have to poop, you're not dead.
1: Yeah. I think like any general biological stuff that you're, that like is about like maintenance. Like, yeah. If you're like thirsty and drink water and feel better, like that to me tells me like I'm operating in like the real biological plane. Yeah. Like if you're, yeah, if you have to poop, if you burp. If I made this movie,
2: it would be fifty percent about the toilet situation. Oh, it would like, be about think, like melting water to use the toilet. Do they have a septic tank? Like, I would just have so many toilet-related questions, all of which would make
1: me think, "Well, this can't be purgatory." Right. I fi- that's more hell. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> toilet use in general is a, a question I usually have outstanding about uh, horror or just other movies. I just I understand why it's not part of most plots, but it is. <laughs> something, something yeah, you will allow it.
2: Mine is shaving your legs mm, and mm. health insurance. Every movie, I'm like, how do they have health insurance? Do they pay for their health insurance out of pocket? Does that, does, working at, like, a Christmas
1: boutique, do you get health insurance? Like, every right. movie,
2: I want to know, how, how do you get health care? Yeah. Because that's something that I constantly think about.
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, we're, you know, plagued by a, a broken Ugh. system in this country, so.
2: Um, and then finally, we'd like to rate this on the spooky scale. A
0: spooky scale.
2: Of course, our disclaimer as always is this is about how spooky we found the movie, not whether it's a good movie. And so where would you rate
1: The Lodge on a scale of one to 10 screams, Allison? I think that this is a nine scream film. Mm -hmm. It really, I think like also like once you know that there are nightmares and fugue states and, and an unreliability with what's real and what's not, that's just like no holds barred. Like anything, like that's very scary to me.
2: Yeah. I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it an eight. I agree. Oh, it's wow. very scary. Okay. And it's so the one thing I want to talk about is like they very intentionally put in that shot of Aiden putting those candles and a framed photo in his bag. Mm-hmm. So you might not necessarily think about it, but watching it, I assumed that the kids were playing some part in it. Maybe they yes. didn't weren't in control of it anymore or so, right. maybe it was supernatural, but like they were causing something to happen. Yes. So which I I mean I I just think that like if you didn't include that shot, then you would have no way of knowing. Right. So I think they wanted you to know that this was really a story about the kids. Like, the kids, right. they did screw up and did do this to themselves, which I thought was like a fun subversion
1: yeah. of what you thought the movie was going to be. Yeah, that's a very different, like, that's that's a, a real surprise. Yeah. that's We haven't seen that before, so. Super fun. All in all,
2: wouldn't see it. <laughs> yeah, no. No. And this is a genuinely spooky one. So even if someone's like, I could watch something like, I could watch the boy or whatever. Um, yeah, this is a genuinely spooky film. So yeah. uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And um, yeah, um, we'll see you guys soon. Just play this at whatever creepy remote cabin you're at for the yeah. winter.
1: And sounds like a fun. That'll pass almost an hour. And uh, yeah, you know, then you'll have to figure out if you're alive or dead. But remember, if you if you have to poop, you're still you're alive. alive. All right. We'll see you soon, guys. Bye. Bye. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder.
0: Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because...